0: the Athletic. Totally
1: Football Show. Europe. Today, Messi, still got it. Barcelona, good again. Napoli, could they? Plus, exploring UEFA's draws, what awaits for Leicester Rangers and West Ham in the last 16s. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show, in association with Paddy Power. Listener. Thank you for joining us on another Totally Football Show European edition. It is Tuesday, the 1st of March. I'm joined by Alvaro Romeo, Calispera, Alvaro, all the
2: way from Greece today. Kalispera, James, yes. Uh, we took a little bit of a break here uh, with the family. But yeah, yes. uh, it's very nice in here, I have to say.
1: Well, indeed so. Indeed so. Uh, James Horncastle is not taking a break. He's right there at the white, hot, coal face of... Football journalism. All right, James.
3: (laughs) That's right, Uh, James Richardson. You've got
1: breaking news, perhaps. We'll we'll come to you very shortly on that. Julian Laurent also here. Hey, Jules. Bonjour. Hey. And hello to you, listener. Yeah, James, do you think it's going to be a big week for European Super League rebel clubs who still harbour plans to drop that baby back on us again?
3: Perhaps. Uh, I've got uh, Andre Agnelli speaking on Thursday on the same ticket. Is uh, Alexander Seferin, the UEFA president. So, let's see what Mister Mister has got uh, prepared at that FT Business Conference. Some speculation that it's a new Super League proposal.
2: Hmm,
1: that would be extraordinary, wouldn't it? I I'm not quite sure how and and why this might be the moment, but um, but yeah. There you go. We'll look out for that. Tell you what, instead of worrying about what might happen later in the week, let's have a quick think about what did happen over the weekend with some very much football moments of the weekend in association with
2: Paddy Power. Alvaro. Well, the moment of the weekend is... Uh... What Jeremy Pino did uh, on Sunday because he scored four goals against Espanol. 4 0, Jeremy Pino. He's one of the youngest ever players in la liga to score uh, that many goals because he is uh, only 19 years old and uh, he managed to do that in a fantastic uh, game in which uh, he shown that uh, he's not only a skillful player who can play a winger but also he's capable of uh, being at the right place in the right time. He scored four goals and for me he's the man of the weekend. The last one to score four goals being so young was Santi Mina uh, six years ago. I was very surprised that, uh, you know, that happened not so long ago. But yes, Jeremy Pino is the man of the weekend in Spain.
1: Extraordinary, he'd never scored more than
2: one goal in a game before this and he gets four in one go. Precisely. And he's not even a striker. Uh, that's the thing, that he's not a very good scorer or he hasn't been yet, even though now suddenly he has revealed this uh, ability of him. So, yes, I mean, this is going to boost his confidence a lot because he didn't start against uh, Juventus the other day and many wonder why. All
1: right. Well, Juventus coming up for Villarreal, indeed, in the Champions League. All right, James Horncastle, what's your moment of the weekend?
3: Well, I think it has to be Luciano Spalletti, no? At the end of that game against Lazio, which you saw Napoli win late, and Spalletti say afterwards, you know, just would like to highlight the fact that, you know, all of you say, you're all breaking the balls of this Napoli team. Say, we've got no character, no resilience. Now I'd like to know what they want to say. Because mm. uh, Napoli showed strength of character in, uh, in winning, Uh, and, again, kind of, I suppose, made their case once more as a legitimate title contender in Serie A.
1: All right, level now on points at the top of Serie A with Milan, who they face next Sunday night. Oh, my word. Julianne, what's... What's been your highlight of the weekend?
4: Uh, it has to be Kylian Mbappe's uh, cross from the outside of his right foot against Saint Etienne on Saturday for Danilo Pereira, Aquaris Maresca, uh, trivella if you want, Ooh. which was absolutely beautiful. So, but,
1: but wasn't Messi's assist for Mbappe ah, even yeah. better because it was so absurd? It was like eight-dimensional eight chess, three steps in the future type. So you see, I prefer
4: madness. I prefer the second assist to the first one that you mentioned which is a similar one to the one he gave to Neymar the weekend before against Nantes where the ball goes through two different lines of players and three or four Mm. different players in a move like you're right that you need to have supervision to see it but I prefer the other one where that's the first one the one you're talking about the second one where he dribbles past two people literally in 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 no space whatsoever before Mm. laying it out to Mbappe so this is great, but I still prefer the outside of the rightful cross. Jules, what was his player rating in Le Keep? Nine out of ten. Nine? Yeah, nine? They got, really, they got carried away again, I think, because he was amazing, Kylian, but nine is a lot.
3: Yeah, but what about Messi? Seven. Is that, ooh, is that a
4: season high? <laughs> I think he <laughs> might have had a, an eight before, but yeah, that was pretty high for their, for their standards when, when judging him. Mm. Yeah. All
1: right, then. Exo, it sounds like we've got a lot to talk about. Let's begin in Spain.
5: The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4-plus fold aca lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1-5 per leg, online exclusive, no shop bets, T's and C's apply, 18+. Begamblerware.org. Cuidado, Munir, cuidado, Munir, que tiene opción, le va a pegar, Munir, le pega! Goal, 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 goal.
1: all right Alvaro let's talk La Liga first of all this is a big season for football in Seville the Europa League final is going to be at the Sanchez Pizjuan. both Sevilla sides could be in it wouldn't it be amazing if they ended up against each other but in the meantime they faced each other there this weekend in
2: El Gran Derby how did it go Sevilla won it. Sevilla deserved to win it. Sevilla was uh, better, I would say, uh, or at least the capitalized what they had, um, which wasn't a lot because uh, I think that there were only five shots on target between Sevilla and Betis, three for Sevilla, two for Betis, but they capitalized and it was a very important game for Sevilla, especially because you know, Sevilla and Betis had had like a really controversial game in the Cup, when there was something thrown at Joan Jordán and all that happened afterwards, so I think that it was important for Sevilla to win, to show that they are still the best team of the of the city, and uh, Lopetegui celebrated in such a, in such a fashion. I think like he really wanted to win this game. Uh, I think that uh, normally our kick has never uh, lost any any Sevilla derby. Uh, he's been successful in uh, all of them, and uh, the truth is that uh, both teams were depleted. But both teams show that uh, even being depleted, they can uh, put a lot of good players on the pitch, and uh, one of them that doesn't play a lot, like Munir scored one of the goals, the other one was scored by Ivan Rakitic mm. and Canales just when the game was about to finish in the aggregate of the second half, he scored the last goals. But I, I think that the most important thing in this game was to see that there were two styles in total contrast. I mean, Sevilla uh, is definitely uh, more solid, Sevilla is a little bit more cautious and Betis is uh, rather happy in midfield, uh, they try to play the ball very quickly to the strikers and uh, Sevilla's style impo- impose itself this time and it is a uh, really big step for Sevilla because Real Madrid won 24 hours before against Rayo Vallecano at Vallecas and if Sevilla wants to win the Liga title they had to win uh, El Grand Derby and they did it.
1: Okay six points behind Real Madrid still as you mentioned after their 1-0 victory away at Vallecano. The Europa League action the Thursday before had seen Sevilla win away at Dinamo Zagreb. Betis emerged from their clash. From Zenit, in rather unusual circumstances, there was some controversy around this game because this was Thursday night. The invasion, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, only just got underway. And the notion of playing a a Russian side as if everything was normal was, uh, I think, a strange one for most people to accept. And you kind of had the impression the way that game finished uh, Zenit scored what looked like a goal, which was going to force extra time. The referee goes to the sideline monitor and looks as though he gets a suggestion to basically find some way of not allowing the goals so they could just remove Zenit from the competition. Was was there much comment about that?
2: No, not really. I think there was much more comment about the fact that Betis was playing against the uh, Russian side. Uh, right. Also I think that it was still early doors because the Champions League final wasn't moved from Saint Petersburg to Paris until Friday. So it was certainly maybe too early uh, to make a decision about this game. Uh, we all know now that uh, they are making decisions um, this week, but last week it was still a little bit early, perhaps, and uh, they probably what. What Betis is more happy about is about having qualified without any kind of big problem against Tenet. Mm. That was the most important thing. And um, yeah, I think that that was the biggest story, that Betis qualified for the next uh, stage of the tournament.
1: Absolutely. Okay, well, Betis are in the draw for the last 16, or rather, uh, are in the last 16, along with Sevilla and Barcelona, who we'll touch on in a second or two, because they've been having quite the run of results under Xavi. Let's see who everyone's got. Sevilla, Alvaro, have got West Ham. Hmm. What do you make of that?
2: Well, I think that Sevilla is a better team than West Ham United, even this season. I think that Sevilla knows how to deal with these uh, tyres as well. And at the same time, uh, the team has been depleted progressively as the games went by. Uh, Sevilla has been involved, like West Ham United, in uh, two or three competitions this season, and they are losing a lot of players. I mean, uh, for the game against Betis, they didn't have Jules Koundé or Lucas Ocampos, but uh, that was due to red cards. But uh, they lost uh, Papu Gomez and Diego Carlos uh, in, the, in El grand Derby. Uh, both mm-hmm. had to be replaced during the game. Then uh, it's still uh, to be confirmed whether Martial or... Uh, Montiel will be playing for Sevilla against West Ham United, so I think the season uh, is presenting a number of challenges for Sevilla. The good thing for them is that when the season started we all said that they had pretty much two players for each position. So now it's the time for Lopetegui to stretch the squad to use all of it, to make the most of it. And I think that Sevilla comes slightly as favourite for this game because they are very clever and very astute when it comes to playing in small margins, small game results as well. I think that they know how to deal with that and uh, I believe that uh, they will be capable of containing West Ham United if West Ham wants to make this game physical and if they want to make this game quick. I think at Sevilla, they are masters of doing this. But of course, this West Ham United has proven in Europe that they have been capable so far of uh, pretty much beating every single opponent. But Sevilla Mm. is probably the toughest nut they have had to crack so far.
1: They have an extraordinary competition record as six-time winners and all of those have come in the last 15 years. I know you see West Ham a lot, Alvaro. Who do you think is the favourite?
2: I think Sevilla is. Uh, I did like what West Ham uh, did uh, from August until December in 2022. I think that West Ham United has dropped the level a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, maybe they are not playing with the energy that they were playing at the beginning of the season. I think that the good thing for West Ham United is that uh, as some players they are playing worse, some others are stepping up. And for example, Jarrod Bowen is probably one of the best examples of it. Um, I think Antonio's level has gone down a little bit, and then some other players—they are playing better, so they are compensating a little bit the But all things considered, I think Sevilla is better uh, at home. They've been really good this season, and away from home they've been tremendously good. I think they have considered only seven away goals in La Liga this season, uh, which tells you the story. Uh, they have been phenomenal um, when it came to shutting the door. And I think that Lopetegui and the players know that this is a great chance for them. Uh, the final is not only in Sevilla, but mm-hmm. Sevilla has already won it with Lopetegui, uh, beating the likes of uh, Manchester United, beating the likes of Inter Milan. So, you know, if you check Sevilla's past, and that past it didn't happen a long time ago, Sevilla shown that they are capable uh, of uh, dealing with this kind of scenario. So that's why I'm saying Sevilla is the favourite, but I don't want to take away anything from West Ham United. And this season they've been phenomenal.
1: All right. Betis, meantime, are going to be facing Eintracht Frankfurt, currently sitting 10th in the Bundesliga. Barcelona, the other Spanish side in this competition, have Galatasaray, which means Galatasaray should be quite concerned because Barcelona are on an incredible run of form. A week ago, they beat uh, Valencia in the of Derby 4-1. They then went to Napoli, who have the best defensive record in city, and beat them 4-2 Thursday night. This weekend, they were up against your lot, Athletic club de Bilbao have also got a pretty good defensive record and beat them 4-0. Alvaro, Aubameyang's got five goals in three games. What's going on?
2: Because Aubameyang is a very good striker and he's a very good scorer. And uh, whenever he's motivated, he's capable of scoring goals any time. And Barcelona is attacking a lot. Barcelona has really good players who can supply the ball to you Um I'm talking about Gavi, I'm talking about Pedri, I'm talking about Frankie de Jong, even Busquets, uh, Dembélé, Adama Traoré, Aubameyang has been the beneficiary of that. On top of that, he seems to be motivated. Uh, he knows that this is a good chance for him to sign again, because uh, for the last year he has been fading down a little bit, and uh, the signing has been so clever, so clever, because Barcelona was missing um, quality up front. This season they had to play with so many players from the academy, because Memphis, uh, Luke de Jong, and many more, they had injuries, maybe they underperform as well, and suddenly you bring a guy who is, yes, 32 years old, but still, he's got the know-how, and he's making the difference uh, for Barcelona, but I would say that generally, speaking, uh, the club in every line of the pitch is uh, improving because the defense is getting better. They got a clean sheet against Athletic Club Bilbao, which is already something. Then in midfield, the reappearance or the return of Pedri has been phenomenal. Today I was checking on Twitter and I saw Iniesta as trending topic and I was like, why is this a trending topic? Why Iniesta is a trending topic in 2022? It's because they are, uh, he's having comparisons with Pedri, Uh, Xavi uh, compared Iniesta and Pedri uh, yesterday in the press conference after the game, and then up front, as I said before, Ferran Torres, well, maybe he's not scoring a lot, but he's a quality player, Adama Traoré with his uh, tricks on the right, mm-hmm. and Aubameyang with his goals, well, they are making Barcelona a much better proposition and they are winning the high profile games again. They went to, uh, to Valencia, they beat them, they went to Napoli. Uh, The team that has conceded less goals in Serie A, at least until last week. And they beat Napoli as well. And now they beat Atletico Club Bilbao. And I know that my team was rotating, thinking about the Cup semi-final. And Inigo Martinez, who is our best defender, wasn't on the pitch and all that. But still, scoring four against Atletic is not easy. And also, not losing the patience when you have scored only one. But for some reason, you cannot score the second, even though you are trying. It took a long time to Barcelona to find the second goal. But once they did it, they scored the third and the fourth very quickly.
1: James, you saw Barcelona against Napoli. How impressed were you?
3: Very. I, I thought the intervention that they made in the January transfer window really kind of came to the fore in well, both games, really. Um, because in the first leg, Ferran Torres should have put it uh, far out of sight uh, for Barcelona. And then you look at that first goal that they scored. It's all about the pace that they had from a Napoli corner kick with Traore and, uh, and Aubameyang uh, as well. But they were able to dominate in their opponent's half in a way that yeah, the great Barcelona sides of old have been able to do. So, yeah, it, it feels like this Barcelona team has come on leaps and bounds, really, in the in the last few weeks, you know. I mean, much has been made about what Juventus did in the January transfer window signing Vlajevic, Sakaria, and that sort of thing, and how well Vlajevic has hit the ground running. But, I mean, it looks like Barcelona's January transfer window has been the best in Europe, which is surprising, um, you know, in light of uh, their ability to spend and ability to attract and move things around to get these players in but so far it seems to be working very well
1: yeah one of the players they wanted to get rid of but didn't Ousmane Dembele uh, what? scoring against Athletic Boba, what, what a goal
3: that was yeah. but and, also he's Jules I, I remember Jules saying on EFS back in the day uh, that Usman Dembele he couldn't decide which foot to use to shoot a penalty that's and it's right. 32 goals for Barcelona 16 with his left 16 with his right I well, love that. All right.
2: Four weeks ago, we were talking about Barcelona's financial crisis. Three weeks ago, we were mentioning that Barcelona's CEO had resigned. Now everything is going well on the pitch I'm sure that nothing or not everything is perfect uh, in the board, but there is no reason to talk about that because the, the game is playing out so well for Barcelona, Uh, they are scoring so many goals, 12 in the last three games, that now the conversation has switched. And I think that this is very important for Barcelona too, to gather and to get the optimism from what is happening on the pitch. And the truth is that lately many things are happening. Barcelona has bought a lot of speed as well, because Aubameyang, Adam Traoré, Ferran are bringing something that Barcelona hasn't had for many years. Men who won the ball on the space, not on their feet. And the team has changed completely. And then the youngsters, Nico, Gabi, Pedri, uh, Araujo, I would say, they deserve a statue in the Camp Nou, because in the worst possible conditions, when the team was falling apart, they step up, and they gave Barcelona many points, and that's the reason why Barcelona is fourth now, not only because they bought Aubameyang, because the likes of Nico and Gabi, they were working a lot to make sure that the club didn't lose it completely. So, really, mm. it's been a really good comeback by Barcelona. I don't know how far it's going to get them. Uh, and I think that is coming a little bit too late because Real Madrid is still 15 points away. But this season, finally, looks like a rebirth for Barcelona. Not like last season or the season before.
3: Right now, they're the best team left in the Super League, without any
1: doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Just one point now behind Real Betis... Who lie third. All right, the rest of those Europa League last 16 ties, I know you want to know. IB Leipzig did have Spartak Moscow, but what we're hearing, I think, on this Monday afternoon as we record this is that all Russian sides are going to be out of all competitions. Leipzig, in the meantime, 1 0 winners this weekend over Bochum, courtesy of Christopher Nkunku. Elsewhere, ooh, a couple of French sides, Jules, Monaco and Lyon. Monaco gonna be taking on Braga. Leon Face Porto. Oh dear.
4: Yeah. That's a big one. The uh, the Porto Leon one. More than Braga Monaco, even if we saw Braga on the on the goal show on BT playing really good football and, and going through on penalties against against Sheriff. Uh, but I think the Porto Leon one has to be one uh, one of the most exciting times because the two teams uh, are very talented. Lyon have been through many crises or a crisis. Porto are doing really well in the league, so I think Porto have to be favourites, slight favourite. But Lyon, if when they click and if they click with Peter Bosch, it can be fantastic as well. It should be fantastic, really. Uh, so I think we, we can look forward to um, to two really really good games.
1: Rangers, you saw of Borussia Dortmund in the uh, knockout playoff. We'll get Red Star Belgrade, managed by Dejan Stankovic. All right. Oh, they won. They had the derby this weekend. Sunday it was against Partizan Belgrade. Uh, and they they won 2-0. They're within two points of the lead. That's top information for you, Rangers fans. The other tie from the last 16 is Atalanta against By Leverkusen. Atalanta are going to be playing a little bit later on, James. So it's kind of hard to say too much about them. But, uh, yeah, that's a big draw.
3: It is. It's a winnable draw, even though uh, Leverkusen are doing well in the Bundesliga. They're currently third. They've won five of their last six games uh, and doing that without their top scorer, Patrick Schick, who of course uh, knows Italy, knows Serie a, uh, very well from his time with Sampdoria and his time with uh, Aeseroma. Um, so I think it could be a fun game um, just because of the talent that uh, Leverkusen have got available to them. Have to see if Atlanta are able to recover some of the players that have been missing uh, of late. I think that's going to be pretty difficult, but maybe Mordiel uh, will be back for that game. And, you know, I think, yeah, the Europa League is is a competition that they can go far in. Having said that, their last appearance in the Europa League, if I'm not mistaken, they were eliminated at the hands of a German team, which was Borussia Dortmund. They were very unlucky on that night. The other occasion they were eliminated it may have well have been the playoffs in Copenhagen when Andreas Cornelius missed a penalty and then was promptly sold the next day. Um, but it's by the by their last trip to, to Germany was to play Dortmund um and I think if Iličić had been a little bit luckier um, they may have qualified. So mm. so yeah, exciting one to look out for.
1: Okay, by Leverkusen this weekend winning 3-0 against Armenia Bielefeld. That's what I'm calling them. And uh, Atlanta yet to play, they're going to be taking on Sampdoria Monday evening. Very good. Later on, if we have a mind, we might talk about the Europa Conference League last 16. Leicester in that. Up against uh, one of Ligue 1's finest. But
5: next up, City. A. So, Mr Ranick, what's troubling you? Well, we've got a, a leak in the dressing room, doctor. Right, and you want to find out who it is? No, no, I just can't find a good plumber. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. But with Paddy Power, our offers are watertight. So this weekend, get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-plus-four 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. pre online bet builder bets only. Min odds one to five per leg. Max you bet ten pounds per day. Seven-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T and C's apply. Eighteen plus. Be Gamble This is the Totally Football
0: Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Oli Kaye, and the very best football writers around. Quick word on the Bundesliga before we get on to Serie A. Bayern
1: Munich maintaining... Oh, actually extending their lead at the top because they beat Eintracht Frankfurt 1-0. Anybody catch this?
4: Yeah, I watched it all. Yeah, Leroy Sanic, Kimmich with a with lovely through ball. I still think there's... there's Issues in midfield especially Sabica I think they missed Goretzka a lot uh, even that back three I'm still not completely convinced not just me but I think a lot of people but they won in a game that was difficult for them even if they created some really really good chances but because behind them is Dortmund and Dortmund are so unreliable and so mm. average at times then they know that even if they're not at their best they're going to win this title easily though it might be a bit more worrying for the Champions League in the in the quarterfinals, I think they would beat Salzburg now and go through. But in the quarterfinals, if they haven't really improved collectively, or if Goretzka is not back, I think it could be difficult if they face one of the top teams.
1: I see Dortmund followed up their exit at the hands of Rangers from the Europa League by drawing 1-1 at Augsburg, falling to eight points behind Bayern Munich. Elsewhere, Schalke announced Monday that they would end their sponsorship with. Gazprom, they'd already removed the Russian state-owned energy company's names from their jerseys uh, before the weekend's draw at Karlsruhe. course, down and the Bundesliga spy. Good. Now, Syria. Big Sunday night game. James Horncastle was Lazio against Napoli. The backdrop to this was that Friday night, both Milan and Inter, Napoli's title rivals, had failed to win yet again. So there was a chance for the partner pay. To take top spot. What a last half hour we had in this game.
0: Elmas, Elmas. il tocco per insigne in area.
5: Va quindi da Fabian, il tiro! Gol! Gol, 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 gol,
4: gol, 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 gol! Gol! Fabian! Fabian Ruiz! E un gol che vale oro! Questo vale oro! Il Napoli sale al comando della classifica!
5: It was a
3: great game, because uh, for the first half, Lazio were the team that were on top. They just didn't take their chances. Um, and it did look uh, much like Monday. Um, so, what, more than a week ago when Napoli had gone to play Cagliari in Sardinia and uh, went behind, should have gone maybe two, three goals down. But Ossiman got them a point, and you thought, OK, here they go again. They're going to drop points here. They're not going to go top of the table. Pedro scored this extremely difficult equaliser uh, for Laziali, which was like, you know, corner ball comes in, it's cleared, he volleys it past uh, David Ospina. And you thought, ah, okay, maybe Lazio are going to win this now and instead, no, uh, because Fabian Ruiz had other ideas. And Fabian, who's come up big with them, scored a, uh, a wonderful goal from outside the box, as, he's, as he has done uh, a few times so far this season. Plenty of swaz on it, lots of Mm. lots of lots of bend to uh, to whip it around the defender. was an extraordinary goal. Whip it around the goalkeeper and have it curl in just just uh, just into the side netting. So uh, inside netting. So yeah, massive result for Napoli, um, and I think one that really energizes them. And in comparison with Inter and Milan, who play in the cup um, tonight in the semi-final first leg. They're out of all cup competitions now. Uh, Napoli can purely focus on the league, the Scudetto, and they've got all their players back. Osimhen obviously, um, you know, has had his surgery on his cheekbone, his eye socket. Koulibaly Anguisa. Guisa. They don't have African Cup of Nations to um, to, to go and play. So it, yeah, it sets it. Are off. you
1: calling um, Napoli his favourites now, James? <laughs> Ooh,
3: <laughs> bit of a change um, there, eh? Yeah. You know what? I, I do. mean, I. I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to be there mm. were it to happen Wow. Um, because it hasn't happened since 1990. Mm. It doesn't feel like this Napoli side is as good as the Maurizio Sarri team that came so close um, to, to winning it, what, in 2018. And it, it just feels kind of odd because it's a team that's come off missing out on the Champions League the last couple of years. It would be amazing for a hometown kid like Lorenzo Insigne to do it just as he's leaving uh for for Toronto and it'd be amazing for Spalletti who I just think is one of the great Italian coaches of his generation um who the only thing he's missing is is a major league title he won the league with Zenit in Russia um but you know he's come so close uh before particularly with Roma and uh I think it would be fantastic um I still think Inter have got more depth, have got more talent than everyone who's currently in contention with the ex uh you know Juventus maybe uh run them a little close in that respect but it depends how draining um this these cup semi-finals I suppose will be for, mm. for Inter and Milan because Inter at least still have a Champions League game where they have to believe that they can maybe uh, qualify yeah. in Anfield but Inter haven't is one scored
1: thing. in haven't scored in three games I think now Uh,
3: still the top scorers in the league
1: yeah but uh, good luck at Anfield Uh, Napoli anyway will be hosting Milan next weekend before the Champions League returns Uh, and that's going to be absolutely huge because as we mentioned those two teams are level with Inter two points behind but with a game in hand midweek Milan and Inter face off so one of them will have to win this one Uh, in the semi-final of the Coppa Italia the other semi-final sees Fiorentina hosting Juventus and Dusan Vlahovic, who of course they just sold amid some bitterness to Juve back in January. Should be tasty that. Fiorentina beaten this weekend by Sassuolo while Juve were 3-2 winners
3: at Empoli. Yeah, I still think Fiorentina play better football uh, than Juventus uh, this season, even with the acquisition of, of Dusan Vlahovic. They're very aggressive, not nice to play against. They've got technical ability. So this is not going to be easy uh for, for Juve and also you can imagine what the reception is going to be like for Vlayvich, um how disappointed the city was. Uh they called him a little man. Um who, who they called him a little man the, I hate that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and you know, he needed a security detail in what the final days of his time in Florence. Um such was the uh the uh depth of the feeling tuporous, the depth mm. of feeling exactly the so, is better though, yeah. Mm. but um, so yeah let's see and then of course there's six weeks between legs because this is how Italy does <laughs> cup semi-finals so there we go
1: indeed all right oh you, you mentioned Napoli going last Monday to Cagliari and uh, only getting a 1-1 draw and even that right at the death through uh, Victor it, it one of the remarkable things about this period of the season and this campaign in general has been the form of teams like Cagliari teams that should be dead and buried by rights, or or even or Spezia who continue to come up with surprise results against the big, big sides. What do you think it is this season or of late that's making the, the teams with fewer advantages, fewer resources play and match the big, the bigger sides in a
3: Well, I don't think we've got a Benevento or Crotone uh, in the league this season. Um, Uh, a whipping boy and I I predicted Salernitana would be that team this year Mm. and they've been surprising in in particularly a they're still in the league remember they could have been thrown out (laughs) uh, on New Year's Day instead they were taken over the new owner uh, brought in a new sporting director uh, who bought an entire new team they already had Frank Ribéry and uh, brought in a coach who is a specialist in Grey's Escapes um, you've got other clubs down down the bottom who are American owned, who have invested where I think some of the more tired and stale Italian owners wouldn't have in the past. So Venezia did quite a lot of business in uh, in January. Spezia are are well run uh, and have got, as you mentioned, big big results against the likes of uh, of Milan and, and Napoli. Um, and likewise, Samp have gone back to what worked for them in the past when they're a mid-table or top-half side, which was hire Marco Giampaolo, get Qualiarella back in the team and, <laughs> and see what happens. They've signed uh, Sebastian Javinko. We haven't seen anything from Javinko yet. They signed Stefano Sensi as well, who I think Inter will miss. Um, I think one of the things that that is, is lacking at Inter at the moment is a bit of spark and invention from midfield and maybe Sensi could have provided that. So... You've you've got a a, a range of, of factors. I mean, it also Udinese, yeah, a, a kind of really drab to watch now that Depaul is no longer there. But they, yeah, they are a hard team to play against. Um, so, and I, I think you know, as with as with Fiorentina and Sassuolo, there's a lot of good, forward-thinking, brave managers down the bottom. Mm. Um, however, one of them is also Walter Mazzari. Um yeah. and uh, Matsari, to be to be fair to him, Calgary have the second best record in Serie A in twenty twenty two, which is pretty mind blowing. They backed Matsari, who was uh, appointed in season even though he did not initially turn it around. In fact it looked like they might sack him again and instead they got rid of the players in the January transfer window. They were like Diego Goodin, Diego Godin should be getting his his pension. Um he should be playing for Calgary anymore. Get out. Martin Mm -hmm. Kaceres, get out. And um, they made some good signings. uh, And all of a sudden, that team is clicking. Um, And so I think this is one of the things, you know, everyone is focusing on the title race and how uh, three teams are definitely in it. Maybe a fourth team can get back into it. But I think one of the reasons why these teams are dropping points is because it's so open down the bottom and exciting down the bottom. So it's a sign of a good Healthy, competitive league, in in, in my opinion.
1: Excellent. Quick shout for Gigi Buffon. Gigi. Who's just signed a new deal with Palmer, which will see him play with the City of B side, who hopefully won't be City of B until then, until he's 46. 46. That's remarkable. Remember he started when he was 17. That's monstrous. That's almost a 30-year career, he said, (laughs) doing the sums in his head. Incredible. Palmer currently in 10th place in City City B, so they'll be second division for a while yet, it looks like. But anyway, best of luck to GG. Next up,
5: Jules, tell us what's going
1: on en France.
5: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more.
0: We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to that own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's ind dot com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that'll be good news for Antonio Conte when he finally realizes he's the manager of Tottenham hotspur and they don't ever win titles. Pre-match bet builders only you get your stake back as a free bet, minimum four plus legs, maximum free bet is ten pounds, excludes enhanced match odds, online exclusives, and teas and
3: sees
4: apply. Paris Saint-Germain, Messi a festival.
1: Jules, what's going on in France?
4: Well, I think we need to talk about Kian Mbappé, who is definitely the best player in the world right now. There's no, oh, yeah. there's, I can take any argument, any names you want to throw at me. No one is better than him right now. Uh, Jérôme Roten, the former PSG player who's now uh, a pundit on the French radio and television for RMC, mm-hmm. said that according to his information... There used to be 99% chances that he that Mbappé would leave PSG to go to Real Madrid in the summer. Now, that's gone down to 65%.
1: 65? Yeah. And what's behind that change?
4: Well, I don't know if really that's the truth to start with. Okay. Uh, I see still, I think he's still likely to go, but he said... It's a rotten family, source. It's a rotten source, <laughs> although he, he knows really well the club and the Mbappé family. There's, there's the record, of course, because by scoring the two goals he did on Saturday, he's now level with Zlatan Ibrahimovic with 156 goals for PSG. And there's obviously only Edinson Cavani ahead of them both now. So Ibra will never catch Cavani up. But Mbappé could if he stayed another season. He's only 44 goals away. He's not going to score 44 goals between now and the end of the season. So if he wanted, if that was an objective for him... To beat that record, he would have to stay next season. After the game on Saturday, we asked him about it. He said, you know, it means a lot to become the PSG top goal scorer of all time. Mm. So let's see what happens. The famous, you know, let's see what happens, which a lot of players have used before uh, and then left the club. So we would have to see. Uh, I think there's, we've said it before, but there's the feeling that he's the big boss in that team and which he's, he's always wanted that. Uh, and I think he likes it a lot. The relationship with the fans is pretty, pretty special now. It was not always the case, but it is now. Um, so maybe there's a chance. I still think it's more likely than not that he will leave to go to Real Madrid.
1: Ah. The scoreline looked good against Saint-Etienne, 3-1. The, were there still issues about the way Paris Saint-Germain approached the game, Saint-Etienne taking the lead?
4: Yeah, because of a mistake of Danilo Pereira, but I, no, I thought they played well. Poch took the blame for the the slow start and said that he didn't really communicate well to the players what he wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. And once once I mean once they considered that goal, then after that they were just one team on the pitch. They could have scored more goals. Messi was outstanding, as we said at the start. Mbappe as well. Uh and it was it was good to see. Mbappe is suspended now for the game at Nice next weekend. So his next game will be the Champions League second leg. At the Bernabeu for his the first time of his career against Real Madrid. Tactical so. yellow, Jules. No, no, no. That was I think that was not on purpose. Uh, but it's good thing that he's gonna rest a little bit. Um, as long as the magic doesn't go away. But yeah, no, it was good for PSG. It was it was really good despite Verratti being suspended, uh, Paredes being injured. It was still it was still a decent performance. Hakimi wasn't there either, so it was it was it was pretty good.
1: Very good, Jules. What else would you like to tell us about from Ligue 1?
4: The uh, the nightmare end of the Monaco game because they Ah. were chasing a top three finish. They still are, to be fair. And this was a good opportunity at at home against Reims. And they were 1-0 up, cruising. And then in the 84th minute, Kevin Voland scores an on-goal. And then Jean-Lucas gets sent off. And then they concede the second goal to lose somehow, 2-1, against a depleted Reims team, which, which is really terrible. Not just for chasing that top three finish, but also overall, psychologically, everything. It was a disastrous end of the game. And I think Philippe Clément is struggling a little bit with this team and these players. All right. Uh, What about
1: Rennes and their 4-2 victory over Montpellier? I mentioned them because not only are they now knocking on the doors of the Champions League places themselves, but they're also featuring in the Europa Conference League last 16. Against Leicester. Oof.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good, really, really good tie. Uh, they've been scoring for fun this season. I think this is the most goal they scored since the 56th season. Uh, really free flowing football. And of course, that means they concede chances at times as well, of course. And they conceded two goals against Montpellier. And maybe it could have been a little bit more. But they, they're so good going forward. They have two very attacking full backs, Inamari Traoré and, and, and uh, Bieling on the other side. It's just, it's just it's just, great to watch. I, I, I think Leicester will be favorite and should be favorite, but the way Leicester have been playing and defending most importantly in the Premier League, mm. they should be very, very worried about this, this team who will have nothing to lose, nothing to play for, like as in not, nothing to lose in the sense, no pressure to, to continue because it's Leicester and it's a Premier League side. So they will have not much pressure compared to, to Leicester. And I think Rennes can definitely cause a big upset. Uh, and go through. So it would be, it'd be fascinating to watch.
1: Okay, good news. Also in that last 16 of the Europa Conference League, Marseille taking on FC Basel. Pauk, from down the road from where you are, Alvaro, have got Ghent. Vitesse of Holland, of, ha- of Arnhem, have Roma. PSV, also of the Netherlands, are taking on Copenhagen. Slavia Prague got Lance. Bodo Glimt, the incredible Bodo Glimt. We'll take on Alkmaar and Partizan Belgrade. Afayanord. Anything we should know about those ties before we wrap it up for this week?
2: I would like to know what's happening to Marseille. Maybe Jules can let us know because mm. you know, they were the only ones who were actually chasing, kind of, a PSG and they are crumbling. And they got one point in the last uh, couple of games and uh, that is very disappointing.
4: Yeah, yeah, very disappointing against Three, considering the draw as you said in the, in the last minute, they can't control games like they used to. There's clearly a big problem between Milik and Payet in the sense that they don't seem to be able to play well together. So you can start them both, and one one play better than the other, or you start just one, and this one has to be Payet. Really, you can't drop him, but then that means Milik, who is technically your best, your best striker, one of your best players, is on the bench where he's not happy, and and. And whinging a lot, so it's, it's it's a tricky one. But but Sunday was, was well, but they've been very inconsistent, winning and then losing or drawing, winning, drawing, losing, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think it shows a lack of yeah control. I think is a good word for Sampaoli who's even himself struggling to pick the right teams every time and and get the tactics right as well. And also, I think they they are a bit tired. They are a bit tired uh, because of the way they play. Uh, and because I think they're a bit limited in talent once you go outside of the, the strongest eleven.
1: alright well Marseille will be trying their luck against Basel that'll be in the course of next week as the European competitions return of course on Monday we'll be previewing all of those fixtures and much more besides but that's where we come to the end of today's Totally Football Show Europe edition so many many thanks to James Horncastle Julian Aron and Alva Romeo, producer Charlie And you, listener, for bringing your ears to this audio party. Thursday, there's a regular Totally Football Show. Perhaps you'll join us for that. Otherwise, we'll see you in a week's time from all of us here. It's goodbye.
0: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
5: The Athletic.